Welcome to Belkin's Growth Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6, hosted by Michael Maximoff, co-founder and managing partner at Belkin's and Folderly. Michael's guest today is Jerry Praisman, Senior Director of Sales Development at SalesLoft. Jerry leads a sales development team supporting more than 2,000 customers, including IBM, Shopify, Wayfair, Citrix, and Nielsen. In today's episode, both Jerry and Michael go in detail about SDR role, sales leadership, and career development. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes on Spotify or watch a video version of the episode on our YouTube channel. When we uh, sell to prospects or generate new clients, um, how do we ensure that um, our opportunities or our leads are qualified? How do we qualify them? What questions do we ask? Um, what SDR or SEs are doing right now, what methodology they're using to kind of to qualify and to, to make sure that all the opportunities are vetted. And um, starting off with just basically, do you guys qualify? Do you vet opportunities before handing them over to the next part of the funnel? Or, uh, you know, what is sort of like, uh, uh, what is the lead qualification or lead vetting process or lead lead vetting thoughts for sales off team right now and what's your position there great um and i'll give you the most uh desirable answer that um anybody could could possibly hope for and that answer is it depends so um <laughs> it's uh there's uh, here's what i fundamentally believe whether it's sales loft or or any other company um, there's no one size fits all approach. You have to study uh, the needs of your business and your market and what your strategy is for growth before you can actually start, um, you know, to pointing out the details and crafting a, a real uh, approach for your SDRs in order to, to either just generate meetings or generate opportunities, which are two very different things in my, my mind. Um, and one model might be more appropriate for your business versus another. Be based on where you are in your stage of growth, your product market fit, and, and what you're looking to do. But here's what I can sort of, what I can kind of wrap up under a bow. I think that no matter what level of qualification you need to be doing as an SDR, it all starts with the understanding of why you are reaching out to somebody, which can be defined as what have I learned about them or their business? that I believe we can help them with, that we can add value to, that we can move the needle on. And I guarantee that if you if you have a semblance of that, a hypothesis, if you will, we call it hypothesis selling here at SalesLot, if you can craft a hypothesis as to why it would be worth somebody's time to talk to you and not like, hey, I looked up that you like tennis, so let me slide in a funny tennis thing, to get your attention like that, that that's tactical and it works right. sometimes, but that's like not really a hypothesis for why you, you should be talking. If the more of your activities you can start from that point, the more successful you are going to be as an SDR in the more true opportunities and true pipeline you're going to generate for your business. So that's, that's like, let's start there, right? Before we even talk about qualifying, before we talk about the level of, uh, you, you know, the, uh, the level of uh, depth that an SDR needs to go to before they pass it over to an SE or an AE. Um, it, it's got to start there. It's just got to start with why. I know, I know that that's not, that's not like a new, that's not a new form of thinking. I know Simon Sinek came out with that many years with that start with why I'm sure others have tapped into it even before him. Um, but that is actually very important is to have intention 
behind every activity that you put out there. And then it just becomes operational, right? Like, so I'll, I'll answer your question directly with SalesLoft, right? So we have um, our upmarket segments, which next year we're going to move to a deeper qualification model where we're going much higher in the business and we're, we're uh, leveraging other stakeholders within companies to bring into an AE so that they can have, be multi-threaded into the organization and have a more substantive business conversation with bigger opportunities and um, bigger companies. In the down market segments, we're still qualifying. We're still, we're, we're still thinking about like basic attributes to a business. You know, how many salespeople do they have? What type of, what, what is their technology stack? Stack look like, um, but also in in all of our forms, it's like we have. Give me three reasons why you think as an SDR, we as a business can help this business. It's really simple, right? Like based on your research and based on your conversations, based on the people that you've spoken to within this business, why do you fundamentally believe we can be valuable to this business? And based on what the SDR puts in there, you can immediately tell almost whether this is going to be a really worthy conversation for the AE or whether we might have some more work to do, whether we need to bake it in the oven a little bit more. Right. Um, just to add to the point, and when you mentioned that start with why, um, when you go down and be more operational, right? One of the few things that you start thinking is like, and that's again, to, to the point that why this company is a good fit. And then you don't need to create a whole kind of buying persona novel or whatever. You just can say, okay, I can work with this is because they meet meet my ideal customer profile. So then the question is, okay, what my ideal customer right. profile is, right? And so if I can say criteria in terms of, okay, this is the right size of the business. This is the right type. They have the right number of, uh, of people in, in their team, right? Or they use the right technology for me or they're, uh, you know, the right in the right industry or in of the right size or whatever. By just by answering this question, that's already kind of a qualification process, right? Because at the end of the day, if you know that totally. the industry, if the in, their industry matches, that it means that still one of the criteria is okay. So then, you as a sales leader, you kind of define what are top five criteria for your business and for your company, right? And then based on those criteria, that could already help your team to be more focused and to to kind of to then. Uh, kind of um, have more of those opportunities or one of those meetings that are more relevant or more qualified. And then the, the second part is that why that person or that the person I'm talking to is the right person for me based on their title, based on their needs, based on what they responded to us, so on and so forth. Because um, very often, um, very often when my sales team is, is sort of like, you know, like building those buying personas, they always uh, think about the, the person's title. So they say like, if my, uh, my decision maker is uh, CEO, uh, then it's right across the board for many companies, which is not the, the correct answer because for many different companies, there are different types of decision makers. So very often uh, when you make a conversation, you kind of need to ask. So you need to be more to the point with regards to why they're contacting them or what do you want from them. And then by just understanding what, who is the right person in their organization, then you can be more relevant just by sort of like looking through or digging deeper into the structure, being more account-based, not just sort of like generally by contacting all of those, right? Um, so um, when you think about this yeah. concept, do you guys have a certain uh, sort of like, not like training program or, or what, like it, at what point of, of, of training you guys sort of like start talking about uh, 
different types of, of, of decision makers, different types of ICPs, different qualification types in your training process? Is there any specific program for that or any specific course or books that you have in place for this to, to make it in a very structured manner? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, just one thing you said in there that I completely agree with, that, that a person's title does not equate to their role. Like title and role are two completely different things, right? Sometimes they overlap, right. but a person's title just helps you just kind of narrow in on people. It's still on you to assess what their actual role is, what their responsibilities are, and what they're actually doing on a day-to-day basis. And by the way, if you're selling to other salespeople, that's where you're actually going to see a huge disparity between title and what responsibilities are sometimes. Um, but in terms of what we're doing to train on that, that um, that's I would actually say that that is inherent in our training as well as coaching and continuous development throughout an SDR's life cycle. So first off, we start on persona-based selling and persona-based um, knowledge right in onboarding. So when an SDR really in a salesperson joins our organization. We have uh, two weeks of onboarding where they're working with our sales enablement team going through uh, a variety of different things, but persona-based selling and hypothesis selling and you know having effective discoveries is a, is a really big part of that. And then as an SDR, you actually have an additional week of what we call bootcamp, which is when you're hitting the phones and you're actually accompanied by uh, our SDR trainer, who is basically kind of coaching you through every single day of a week of how to actually do the job, uh, not just with our own technology, but literally how do you get dials out there? How do you make, uh, for example, videos or use the different channels and mediums? You know, how do you have conversations when you when you connect with people and you often very much do in your first week? Um, so, so dealing with uh, personas specifically is kind of inherent in your first three weeks of working in sales loft. But what we've also done a good job is we sort of, I, I think we've, we've kind of, we've really nailed this is, you know, we recognize that, that development is continuous and we've instituted different training periods throughout an SDR's tenure that cover these topics. So we call it, we call it SDR University. And let's say your tenure with our business is, or with, with our team, I should say, is 15 to 18 months. So after your your boot camp at month three, we start SDR University stage one. And that is actually where we are either reinforcing concepts from uh, onboarding and boot camp, or we're going a level deeper, right? Understanding how to personalize to different personas. I know is actually specifically like a big piece of it, um, but really teaching you how to be an SDR, but better and better SDR. Now that you have a little bit of in-house experience under your belt, because like you know, if you if you if you have a training background, you know, it's like you can't dump everything on people and expect them to retain it and then move on. Like you have to like keep giving them a, give them a sizable but digestible amount of information let them feel it out, go back to it, assess where they need more help and just keep rolling it through. And then uh, towards closer towards the end of uh, an SDR's tenure, let's say past the one year mark around the 15 month mark, we do SDR University Stage 2. And that actually teaches them how to be an AE, right? Not just how to be a better SDR, but how do you go even deeper and become an effective account executive? And part of that is also quite a bit of, of understanding different personas, navigating a deal cycle, um, understanding how to leverage much better what you're learning in discovery um, in order to actually effectively execute a, a full sales cycle. So um, the, the answer to your question is like always, like we're, we're always continuously training. And of course, 
we have frontline managers that, that are very adept at that, that are continuously coaching as SDRs are having conversations. So it's, it's a bit of a process. Now, what I'll say is uh, you probably have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are at smaller companies that maybe don't necessarily have the infrastructure, you know, to do all of those things. And that's okay too. You know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of value to having a smaller team too. There's a lot of value to, to not having, let's say 60 SDRs and only having three or four, because with smaller numbers, you have the opportunity to do a lot less scalable things, which can be effective for small numbers, right? You can train at somebody almost every single day. You can, uh, you can collaborate far more effectively. You can, you can get people to change uh, and pivot what they're doing a lot more easily. So if you're sitting and you're listening like, well, I don't have a sales enablement team and I don't have infrastructure to be able to do like, that's okay. That just means you have to play, play a different hand and it could be a very valuable one. At what, um, at what number of SDRs you kind of got, got to the point where, you know, okay, when you think, okay, we need structure, we need scalability because the one, the process we have right now is not scalable enough. Uh, when, I, when I think about this on my end, I always th want to, to kind of think two steps ahead. So I know that, for example, that's where I need to be next year. So this year, I already right. need to start implementing some of those structures and process because when I end up there, it's already going to be too late for me. So I would either make a lot of mistakes or there will be a lot of extra hustle for the team. So I don't want that. That's why I'm trying every time I, uh, when I project a new process or, or build something, I always think like, how I can scale this at 50 SDRs, at 100 SDRs, at 500 SDRs, what I need to change, how I need to improve, so on and so forth. Do you guys uh, think, and do you personally uh, like have the same type of things or, or you kind of did that or do this differently? And then going back to um, at what sort of like, at how many people do I need to have in my team to, to start thinking about the processes and, and not sort of like start to, you know, working on the structure? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, I think that if you are in a business that you are projecting is going to grow and is growing, you kind of always have to think about it, you know. And I think that if you're if you're when I think about different process, and I think for scale, like let's use for example the example that you brought up in terms of qualification. Um, there's no gray area; it's black and white. Like if it, who owns this account, there's no gray area, it's black and white, right? The more simplistic and the more clear your process can be, the more it's gonna scale. And what that means is, is like sometimes somebody is going to have to deal with a decision that is like seemingly unfair. Like for example, like let's, let's use, uh, this is a very common one amongst um, SDRs, AEs, inbound, outbound, things like that. Who owns this account? Who owns this lead? Um, if it's a matter of size, like you're using one data source, no matter how accurate or inaccurate it is, and the cutoff is X million dollars or X number of employees, and that's what it says. Even if we have information outside of that data source that says something different, it doesn't matter because this is what we adhere to, and it's black and white, and the reason it's black and white is because that's what allows us to one, set extremely clear expectations, reduce friction, and make decisions very, very, very quickly and train people on how to do it very, very, very quickly. As soon as you start creating process that's like, well, this is the ideal process, 
but here is like all of these millions of exceptions, you're dead, you're dead in the water. So the more and more you're, and by the way, when you have a smaller team, you can get away with that. Like you can get away with that. You have the bandwidth in order to like assess, you know, one-off scenarios and it makes people happy. And I think that less operationally focused managers always lean into that because the idea is, is to make people happy in the short term. But if you want to make people happy equally, if not more happy in the long term, is set extremely clear expectations, make, be, give yourself the ability to make decisions very, very quickly. And over time, you will actually see engagement go up uh, across the entire team because everybody gets what's going on. They don't feel like they have to fight for certain things. They don't feel like they're being treated unfairly. Like this is like, that's what scalable process is, is everybody understands what's going on. People understand, people feel like it's fair and management and people in the field can just operate without a lot of roadblocks. So uh, that's one example. I give you probably 15 others that, that we've even gone through at SalesLoft between you know, double crediting between what uh, handoff documents look like. It's all about making it simple and black and white or as black and white as humanly possible. It's um, sales management 101, right? Because, uh, uh, and uh, many leaders don't do this, right? So uh, setting up an expectation, being very clear, uh, there's an adamant logic behind it. And it should be like very simple, like one number, like two metrics, right? Like one source, that's it. Very simple. Uh, what I did for my uh, SDRs was uh, setting up an individual salary spreadsheet where I put their KPI, their calendar, when they join the company, what are different stages, what they need to do to go from one stage to another stage, what is their KPI, what are their bonus system is. And, and then they have a 100% control of that document so they can add, change, update it, play around with it, sort of some gamification kind of stuff. But that helped me a lot uh, to uh, to manage expectations. So this is my expectation of them and this is what they need to do to get that expectations and this is what they get from it. And that's kind of, uh, that helps me a lot managing and scaling the team because every new SDR that comes on board, they have the same expectations, they have the same structure, they can do this and this and this. So then I don't necessarily need to rely heavily on individualism, right? Because that's what your point was that when you have a small team, then you can um, you can be okay just because you can hire a very strong person. You can rely on that person, and then you can talk to them and work with them on a daily basis. So that even if the process is a kind of grayish or more complicated, you're still going to be okay, right? But when you start uh, hiring at scale right. and bringing a lot of people at the same at, at, at every month, like two, three, five, ten people every month, then things get it out of hand. So you definitely need to have a very clear, sizable, measurable, structured sort of like expectations and process to be able to, you know, to be very effective. And especially even in, in the elite qualification stage, right? When you just put a, this is, if we qualify prospect, this is three things that we need to know about them, right? Or five things that we know about them. And then just explaining how you can get and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, and what I, what I would also add to that, and this is something that, um, I think sometimes gets missed is that at the end of the day, the process is what you as a leader make decisions for and allow. Like it doesn't matter what you put on a piece of paper or a PowerPoint or a Google slide. It doesn't actually matter what you have written down. The process is whatever you ultimately end up managing to and whatever exceptions that you end up making. And here's the thing, like, especially as a company is growing, 
especially as um, things are constantly changing, you as a leader will probably need to make an exception here and there. Because at the same time, like on the one hand, being black and white scales really, really well. On the other hand, there are times where you just have to be pragmatic and you have to make a decision that's clearly for the good of the team and for the business more than anything. But whatever that exception is, that's the new process, right? Like whatever, uh, whatever you decide, whether it's consistent or inconsistent with what you've written down, that is the expectation that you are now setting. So my caution there is like, even if you have to make an expectation, an exception, you, you have to be really careful about how and when you do it. Because if that really is an exception and you're just like, okay, guys, this was just the one exception, you're still going to have a lot of knots to untie and work through to get everybody to accept that that really was just the exception and this really is the process. So, I mean, it's a lot easier said than done, um, especially in a fast-moving, fast-growing business. Um, You will be put under a lot of pressure to, to make those decisions as a leader, but uh, I advise you to stay as much to a black and white process as you can until you realize, hey, this process no longer makes sense. We need to make some actual changes and then make the changes and manage those changes. But it's really important. Tricky question for you. When was the, can you give an example of an exception that you, uh, that you made not recently, maybe when you started out or something that then it didn't work out for you. So then you would need to go back or do something like that. Do you have any example on top of your mind right now? Um, I, I don't know about didn't work out, but I'll give you I'll give you a, a recent um, exception that we made. So we uh, when when I joined, we we didn't really have a formalized career path, right? We didn't have a formalized career path within SalesLock. Like it was, we had a lot of SDRs that stayed in seat, and then they eventually became AEs as soon as like we had roles open up. Very traditional high growth sales model, right? And uh, obviously, we saw that hey, that's not going to scale as we scale. Um, and we actually just need to set better expectations around what happens. Very, very common, very common challenge and solution for uh, an SDR leader. Um, so what we did through heavy, heavy analysis of our business, we found that actually the expect the healthiest expectation we could set for an incoming SDR for an existing SDR was keeping them in seat uh, for eighteen months. Right, so. That's what we built out. We built out, like I was mentioning before, the the training programs throughout that tenure. Um, we, you know, we had some promotions within the team. We set those up too, so you're not just kind of sitting around for you know 15 to 18 months. But 18 months is the exception. It's 2020, coronavirus hits. We kill hiring. Uh, we basically have this um, this bottleneck of SDRs kind of getting up to where they need to go, as well as SDRs that aren't even close to the 18 months. Business does a lot better than we expected throughout the year. All of a sudden we completely open up our hiring plans and all of a sudden we have a bunch of open roles um, uh, on our emerging uh, account executive organization. And so I had, and, and our executive vice president of the commercial business unit came to me, he's like, you have a decision to make. You can either stick to this really well thought out career path, which we know is gonna make, uh, is really gonna be important for the business in the long term. Or you can make an exception and you can let a number of the SDRs who are or aren't at their time and seat uh, make the jump to become AEs. Uh, and if you don't, like we're going to have to, we're, we have to fill those roles. So we're going to give those roles to people from outside of the, the business. And I, 
I had a decision to make as a leader and go, look, like, yeah, if we make this exception, people are going to go like, well, is what, what's this whole career path all about if we're not going to stick to it? But at the end of the day, I was like, I would much rather have our SDRs get those account executive roles than give all of them to people from outside of the four walls. Even though I also believe in bringing in people outside the four walls, I think diversity of thoughts is really important. So uh, I made the decision to actually back away from this like very big thing that I rolled out, you know, because of what was happening in our business um, uh, that I thought would be, be a better decision. I thought it was worth it to make that exception. Now, that doesn't mean that exception wasn't without its cost. It definitely was. You know, we lost a lot of SDRs at one time. That's always, that's always painful to, to your business and a lot of high-performing SDRs too. But that's like what, that's just genuinely what, what I, as well as many others, believed was the best thing to do. And as we did that, I, as a leader and our managers repeatedly had to state, guys, like, this is an exception and here's why we are making it and here are the unique things that are coming uh, that are kind of in forcing us to do it, or I guess like influencing us to do it, not forcing. Um, and that's super, super important. And, you know, as leaders, we reserve the right to make a smart, pragmatic decision. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's still on me now to, to lean back into what we believe the right career path is. And we, we did make some adjustments to it in that time period too, that I think made it even better. But it's on me and, and our frontline leaders to continuously manage to it to make sure that we're actually setting the expectation, not just, hey, here's a, here's a presentation on what the career path is. Um, so, look, I mean, look, in hindsight, I don't think the decision, I, I think the decision ended up being the right one based on what we're seeing right now. We were able to deploy more quota to our, to our sales uh, people. We, we, we were able to promote really talented, hardworking people into the next phase of their career, which is always a huge win, not just for uh, SDR leadership, but for the business as a whole. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why it was the right decision, um, but there's still going to be some knots to untie to make sure we can we can be fair and set the right expectations with the, with the new incoming class of SDRs. Very often expectations are really good and positively impact the business in general. Um, one of the examples that I can bring on is... Um, one of our uh, competitors of my agency that are you know very very strong uh, with the, with regards to their brand in the space, uh, they do a, they don't do a lot of exceptions in terms of um, extending the customer subscription or adding more leads in their pipeline or offering additional service at no cost because probably their their, their process was built around exact numbers. So if something was there will be a lot of exceptions that the whole thing gonna just uh, blow up. So. Um, and right. that creates a, a whole problem because very often uh, the team is not empowered to make exceptions or to offer something to the client because they know there are no exceptions. And they, uh, that really puts people in the situation where because we know that we don't make exceptions, we cannot, uh, we cannot make a decision. We need to say, you know, we, they don't make a call. That's why it, it kind of kills the, the, the sort of like the initiatives. So what we did from the very start, we empowered our team to be able to make an exception when it, it, they feel that this is necessary, and then uh, kind of um, and then um, 
be respectful of that decision, even if it's not the right decision, but just learn on that mistake, right? But having uh, that empowerment in place allowed my team to be very uh, um, sort of like initiative, provide a lot of initiative to the customer, and that helped us to retain a lot of accounts. Obviously, the opposite side is that sometimes we lose more money, sometimes we, we spend our resources and we didn't get anything. But at the same time, we had multiple instances where we've made an exception to a customer or I've made an exception to the person, and that would uh, translate it into additional huge revenue to the company or great account that was retained and or great customer that was saved just because I was able to communicate that, that, okay, this is an exception and we understand that this is an exception, but we are okay by doing that exception and taking the risk, right? Yeah. It's, so there's, um, there's a really brilliant book that I've read a couple of times that, that I try to in, uh, infuse into my, my management sort of philosophy. It's called uh, Simple Rules by Donald Saul. And it's a pretty, it's a very academic book. Like it's a, it's a heavy read, but basically what it, what it makes the case on is that if you want to scale or you want to solve a very complex problem or challenge or process within your business, um, the solution may be to just find two or three very, very specific, simple things that you are black and white about and be extremely flexible about just about anything else, right? And uh, now the challenge is actually figuring out what those two or three things are. Um, but if you can be disciplined about it and set expectations clearly across the business, it has the potential to really move the needle. And it could be in your case of like, you know, what we let, don't let our, uh, you know, salespeople do. It could be as simple as no matter what, under any circumstances, we do not discount more than 20%. You have to have um, the um, whatever, you have to have like your deal be with a company over X number of people, no matter what. And, you know, go, the, the list goes on, but it doesn't go on for too much more than that. And then from a pure operational, financial, whatever point of view, everything else is kind of like up for discussion and up for debate. It may not make sense based on whatever challenge you're looking to solve. But I recommend any operational leader, if you're if you're a manager or a director for any type of really operational team, uh, and I very much include sales development in that mix, um, read that book because it'll probably give you some some really really fresh perspective. And they have like amazing examples from not just the business world, but you know science and you know people's personal lives and things like that. We were talking about this in the very beginning, right? It's like setting up a routine and doing something like every day. No matter what, I'm going to do some form of physical exercise from 6.30 to 7.30. No exceptions. It doesn't it could be a stretch. Does I don't have to run up a hill for, you know, at full, full intensity, but I am going to do something every single day from this and this time. And you'll probably you'll probably see some pretty interesting results from that. Nice. Interesting. Um you were um, you know, sharing all this, and I've caught myself thinking that um On you know, in general, when you have a process, and I think about any process that I implemented recently or a long time ago, I always have a thing that is uh, is not changeable. It's like everlasting thing that we need to focus on. That every time it does, even when I mentioned about the exceptions that my team does for some of the customers, 
but because the, the only the unexception that they have is that we need to retain the customer we kind of lose the customer it's sort of like you know like and that kind of clears the path for them in terms of how they can make a decision so cool um so um because we have uh, 10 more minutes um jerry i uh, and i know that some of my SDRs can be listening to this and a lot of uh, a lot of SDRs are signed up for for Belkin Block just to because they can train and be better in what they're doing. Um, I wanted to ask you, um, out of all the SDRs that you've trained that you have right now, what are the key patterns that you see to make that SDR to be successful in terms of how they think, how they work, how they approach the problem? Are there any recommendations that you can give to people in terms of what they need to start doing or think about to, for them to be successful at what they're doing or any sort of like uh, features that they need to have in terms of their personality or in terms of what skills they need to develop so on and so forth? So if you can uh, share any thoughts on this would be appreciated. Yeah, I think, well, look, like we can go down the path of like, you know, you got to be gritty and you got to work hard and you have to be coachable and, and all of those things, which I'm sure many people have been right. on this podcast and echoed. Um, and I, and I would echo it too. Those are all very important things. Have grit, work hard, be coachable, like, you know, listen, you know, don't make assumptions, all that stuff. I would say in an effort to maybe say something a little bit more just different or unique, I would say. And as you asked the question, I'm thinking about like the highly, highly, highly successful SDRs that, that I've managed over the years. And it's the biggest thing is just be present, be present in everything that you are doing at this time. And what I mean by that is it's very common for us, very common and understandable for SDRs to constantly be thinking about, okay, what's next? When do I get to be an AE? When do I get to move on from this role and extend my career? And that's, I get that. Like, I was the same way, by the way, at that stage of my career. It's like, what's next? How much time am I going to have to spend here? You know, what's the next big thing? And the reality is you will always um, truncate your timeline to the next thing by being fully invested in what you are doing right now. So when I think about being present, it goes all the way from just what we were talking about before, being present and intentional about every activity that you make when engaging with a prospect being present in every conversation, being present in every training that you go to, right? This is a big one. Like we do a lot of trainings. How many people listening to this would raise their hand and be like, yo, I'm fully present in every single training that our, our team does for us. And I'm taking notes and I'm asking questions and I'm, I'm truly trying to make the most out of every single thing that I have to do or am choosing to do. It's, it requires actually quite a bit of discipline. In fact, that's why we, there's a lot of data that says like, in order to be a successful SDR these days in a high growth tech company, you actually have to have some experience. It's really tough to come just straight out of school and be able to have that, that, that personal discipline and self-awareness in order to, to learn as quickly as you want to want to learn and be effective as quickly as you want to be effective. It's possible. It's just really, really challenging. So my thing is, be present, be present with your coworkers, be present with your family, be present with everybody that you have to have an interaction with, because that is actually how you're going to absorb the right type of, of knowledge, how you're going to make an impression on people and ultimately allow yourself to be better and be more successful. It's very, very hard to do, but if you can master it, um, your career will, will very, very, very likely start to take off in a much shorter time 
than you think it will compared to always focusing on how do I get to that next thing as quickly as possible. This, um, this point encompasses everything that I was thinking about. I was like thinking about my SDRs and I was like what some of them are very good at. And I was like, they ask questions, they do this, they are initiative. And that basically includes everything that you just said, because if they are present, right? That if you are present and um, one of the things that I know uh, is um, many SDRs or any people that I hired and I work with, there are two types of those, those that are present, those that are really doing their best right now at this moment, engaged with everything that they're doing, starting with the sequence creation to the researching the leads. Uh, and uh, because they're engaged with this, it's noticeable, right? So you see when the person is engaged in anything that that person is doing, opposite to the people that are good at what they're doing, but they're very sort of like opportunistic. So they always jump between different stuff. And then at the end of the day, uh, they, and because of this, when you think about these people in the in a sort of like in the perspective, when you, when you go back and think about them in the retrospect, retrospective, um, you see that they are always changing stuff, changing places, but they're not growing. And those people that are present and they're like kind of digging and in a more regular fashion, uh, usually there are a lot of opportunities that are just coming by and you just grab them. Right. Does it make sense? Totally. I think that what you're describing to me is the difference between Somebody that's willing to work hard and somebody that that has, and we, I've said this term already, but that has grit. Like there's two, those are two different things to me. Grittiness doesn't mean I work hard. Grittiness means like, here's what I do when I come up against a brick wall. Here's what I do when everything is going wrong. Like here are the decisions that I make um, when things are not looking my way. And guess what? If you want a career in sales, if you really want a competitive career, in my opinion, in any field, that is going to be your life. And those are the moments that will actually define you as an employee, as a leader, as, as just a, a person with your friends and family. Like, like, who are you when the chips are down and everything is going wrong? Not when everything is going right. And I think early on, and again, like early on in my career, I, I definitely was guilty of this is like, you kind of assume that things are going to go right most of the time, when in reality, they're going wrong most of the time. And uh, grit, in my opinion, is what can, what, how do you manage yourself through that? How do you self-regulate uh, through those periods? And then you're going to find the more and more you do it, the better you get at it. You're going to almost not prefer those periods, but you are going to uh, march into them with a greater sense of confidence and uh, you're going to thrive in them because you're going to learn that actually those are the moments that are going to help you grow and help you define yourself. Um, whether you're an SDR or a salesperson or in marketing or, you know, again, like a, a good friend, a, a good family member. And look, like I'm saying here, like I'm preaching on a soapbox. I struggle with this stuff all the time too, right? Like it, it's, you will constantly have to, to, to push yourself through these moments. They'll change throughout the course of your life. They'll become more challenging or just different throughout the course of your life, but it's being able to push through. And you, you, to your point, like the people kind of run away at the first sign of, of danger, which is very common. They are robbing themselves of the opportunity uh, to, to get better and become great and to fight through um, and, and truly become a more viable candidate for the next thing in their life or in their career. Yeah. 
Um, 100% agree with you there. I think that um, our sort of discussion um, reached to the point of like high motivation for the people that are listening to this, right? That That's very similar to the first call we had with you where we also ended up like motivating and sort of like energizing. I think that the people can listen to this, they're gonna finish this, this, they're gonna say, shit, I need to do something right now. I need to work on myself. I need to be better, right? Which is really great. Um, and, uh, you know, appreciate this. It's, I think that this is because, um, U.S. personality and, and, and me, we sort of like are the same in terms of how we can work with the people. We sort of like evangelize. Uh, you know, when you think about the person or the leader, um, um, I usually sort of like uh, compare them with a, when there is a board game or a strategy game when you kind of invest or you put your uh, minions into a certain uh, fraction or a certain direction. For example, I'm a, I'm always, uh, I always put my efforts into uh, kind of bumping a religion because, you know, it's like when you're playing the, the, the civilization and you say, uh, I work on this, is my economy. So I'll be like this. And then I am on religion and the, the sort of like the, uh, the people, right? Because then I can have higher moral and then I can uh, kind of develop my civilization faster, basically. <laughs> yeah, no, look, I mean, uh, sales and just management and talent management, and it's, it's, an, it's an emotional game, right? It's an emotional game. You know, you think, um, you know, the be- I, in my opinion, I think the best leaders are the ones that, um, and this is just a pure opinion thing, the leaders that I look up to the most are the ones that actually know how to keep it together and are incredibly good at regulating themselves through highly tense or, or, uh, you know, challenging periods. And not everybody prefers that. Some people love the leaders that are like completely off the walls and like are, are kind of charging through a brick wall as well. It's, it's totally your preference. But at the end of the day, even the reserved leader and the highly charged leader both understand that they are constantly dealing and leading people through their emotions, not necessarily through their um, through their logic. Because I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, right? We make decisions emotionally. Right. We then start to apply logic to justify them. Um, so I think investing in in religion or really just I, I think what, what you kind of also meant by that is just belief in a higher right. purpose, belief in belief in something bigger than just what you are doing for yourself. That's a very, very powerful thing to cultivate. It's a very impactful uh, way to, to get people, to motivate people, to, to give people really, really some, uh, I think, um, reason, right. To give them um, a a sense of belonging and just a sense of purpose. And that's, if you can cultivate that as a leader, that's a very, very, very impressive thing to be able to do. And this is what you uh, feel when you speak to a sales guy, right? When, um, I mean, I've, uh, I, I've, I, I had a call with this customer and I was trying to close the deal. And I'm, again, very passionate in terms of my sales and very engaged with the prospect, really want to kind of, I'm like a solution seller. If I really understand that this is a solution that I can offer, I'm going to be all over it, right? Obviously, with respect to the, you know, person sort of like leveraging all that, but the point was that after our call, we had a follow-up call. And then during that time, that prospect had another call with another agency. And he said, listen, I just jumped off that call with that sales rep. And it felt like he wasn't very uh, interested in selling to me or wasn't very interesting in doing something with me. And I felt that. So I got back to you and I wanted to do business with you guys, right? Because I had a reason. I had to believe that this is a great contact for me. And that sales rep was probably just doing the job or just on another sales call, presenting, doing a demo. And that's what I feel, right? Sort of like, I feel that some people are just very, you know, like there are some sales reps that I talk to and I always say, 
listen, you don't necessarily need to be super charged. So you don't need to be all over the contact and be like all over the place, be like, yeah, but you need to be more like relaxed in that way. But at the same time, you need to be interested in what you're doing and you need to be engaged, right? You need the high of religion and that people are going to see this. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to how we started this podcast and all the concepts that we had in it. You had a good why. You understood why you were talking to that person, why it made sense for both of you to be spending time with one another. And you had a belief in what you could do for them. Right. And, and I've seen this with people in the field that doesn't, it doesn't mean that you have to be super bubbly and cheery. If that's who you are as a person, then yes, be authentic to who you are. But I have seen some of the best salespeople and SDRs I ever had were extremely reserved, would not be who you would expect picking up the phone and going, oh, wow, this is like a highly engaged seller. But they were prepared. They had intention. They, 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 had, they were present. They were present. They, they, they understood why they were there. They wanted to be there. They made the other person feel like they were there and they were the only person in the world that mattered at that moment. Um, so it, it, I mean, I think it just kind of reinforces all the things we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. Listen, um, I really appreciate you spending your time with me today. It's been great as always. Um, so, um, I definitely look forward to having another discussion and we're probably going to end up in the same spot that we ended up probably. right now, because probably, probably that's the way we think and we, we feel and, and the, the sort of like the, the, you know, the problems we're currently experiencing within our organization. So really appreciate the time. Um, and definitely, you know, wish you guys a, a successful 2021 and no bumps on the road and definitely utilizing that new budget that you have in the growth and, and servicing the customers. And I'll right. see you when we, you have two, five, 10 billion, and that's going to have other challenges that I would really wanted to, to dive deep into. Okay. Yeah. I can't wait. I had a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the next time we get together. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Have a good one. Right. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Belkin's Growth Podcast and found it useful. Be sure to subscribe and catch upcoming episodes on iTunes and Stitcher.